and Dr. Wendy Hill. I'm so glad you're here with me right now. We're on this life's journey together. The way I see it is you and I are a team, and together we can explore the wonderful possibilities for personal and spiritual growth. I believe each of us has within the power to heal and to manifest the best and highest that is already within us. If you would like to have more direct contact with me, go to my website, wendyhill.com, and call, text, or email me. Let's keep taking this journey together. Hello, and welcome back to How to Be Happy with Dr. Wendy. And my guest today is Beth Newton. And I've asked Beth to introduce herself. So, Beth, you're on. Okie dokie. I am Beth Newton. I am originally a New York City girl who was transplanted out to San Diego many years ago. I've been living in San Diego for a long time now because my whole family ended up out here. I uh, I have been a stay-at-home mom for many, many, many years, and right at this stage of my life, I am thinking about how to re-enter the world, how to come back out and give what I have to give and enjoy it in the process. That's got to be a huge challenge. Tell me a little bit about what you're going through. You're right smack dab in the middle of that transition, right? Yes, so I So you just sure had a, your last child leave home, is that? Well, I just had my last child get her driver's license and have a car. <laughs> okay. So now Emily, my daughter, is out and about doing her own thing. She drives herself to school and back. She drives herself to friends and back. Hallelujah. Um, in fact, my son, who was just very sick, stayed over at our house last night. Who He is at, in his own apartment. And Emily drove him home this morning. Yay! <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So... When did you start thinking, okay, I've got to do something with my life now that brings some, what, meaning, some inspiration? What, did, what were you thinking? Meaning, inspiration, and also, I guess you'd use the word serving, because I feel that I have so much I have to give to the world and to other people. And sitting at home as a stay-at-home mom, and of course, I did a ton of volunteering, and I did a lot of stuff. But that didn't quite do it. It was all very um, little by little by little. Now I need to get out, and I've been thinking about it probably for (laughs) a good six, seven years. You know, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you that your identity for those many years, 20 years, did you say, has been as a mom, as a provider, and... How does it feel to say, okay, that job is done or almost done? Is that is that upsetting in any way to have that thought? Um, yeah, I, I think a lot about identity. And, and um, I got married late. And before I got married, as most of us, our identity is with what we do at work, exactly. with how we see ourselves in yes. the world, right? Yes. And then we get married and we start having kids and suddenly our identity is in a way gone because it's like 
just a stay-at-home mom. And of course, when I say that to people, they're like, no, 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 it's such a huge job, and oh my God, it's not just, but it is just. Do you feel like you're being patronized when, when somebody says that? No, they're trying to say to me, no, it's not just a stay-at-home mom. It's a hard job. However, it's still just a stay-at-home mom because you're not out in the world, and in this society, you are rewarded and identified with what you do, with what are you, you produce. Are you that, that somehow that word just means <clears throat> you're thinking that you're somehow diminished <clears throat> in your uh, worthiness somehow in this world if you're, quote, just a mom. Yeah, uh, yeah I believe that because, uh, again, I think in this society, um, the focus is on how much you produce, what you produce, um, you know, how brilliantly you produce. Did you buy into that? I didn't really think about it all those years. When I was a stay-at-home mom, it was pretty encompassing. I had two kids. I was an older mom. Um, again, I stayed really busy. Um, I, I always stayed very involved in my kids' schools. Being in the midst of this transition, of this, shall we say, identity crisis, would that be appropriate? that word? Uh, not a crisis, just a uh, identity shift. Identity shift. Very good. <laughs> what advice would you give to a listener who is just about to enter this, this stage that you're in? And I would, well, I, very importantly, I'd go back to when they first got married and we're going to have kids. And I've always wanted to say this to any young woman who is just marrying and entering that phase of their life. I would say do not leave the world completely. See if you can keep a part-time job. See if you can work from home. See if you can maybe do your own business from home. Unless you are so identified with just being a mom, don't leave the world completely because it's much more difficult to stay at home for 20 years and then try to figure out how you can re-enter. You know, that, in my mind, brings up an interesting question. In our culture, uh, I guess in most cultures, a women, women's job is to have children. What do you say to women who feel that pressure but are really not, it's not their calling. That's not what they really want to do in their heart. And was that you, and did you have children anyway? From from teenagehood, I couldn't wait to be married and have children. So it's ironic I didn't get married till I was 36, 37. I always wanted to be married to have and have children. I never thought through the ramifications of entering that identity. I never thought through the full ramifications of entering that identity. I was so happy to have a husband, to have that person who was with me, that companionship. I was so happy to become a mother. All of that completely overtook any deeper thoughts of, okay, I have a husband and now I'm a mother. What will I do for the next 
so many years. Now I was I was happy and satisfied just being a mother for all those years. But you said a little earlier advice you would give to someone just getting married is have a part-time job, mm-hmm. have something else that you do. How do you feel about giving that advice to women who are thinking, wait a minute, having being a mother, I need to be there 100% for my baby, for my infant, for my toddler, and yet you're saying do something else that could distract you away from that. Yeah, yeah, it's a very very uh clouded question, isn't it? Because um, first of all, I speak to moms who have very highfalutin careers. They've done very well in their careers and have kids, but they're never home. They see their kids at night and on weekends. Now, for me, that's like, okay, why do you become a mother if you're just going to do that? And I also see their kids sort of clinging to them when they're home because, oh my God, this is the only time I get to be with with mom. They're feeling insecure. They probably are. Um, I I don't know, but I I Mm -hmm. sort of have seen that. And then I ask them and they say, oh, I could never have done what you did. I could never just stay home and be a mom. It's too hard. Well, I think that being a mother is a career in itself, and to do it right, I think you have to be there 100% for your child. You know, as a therapist, when uh, someone comes in, the first thing I do is I take their history and their history of their childhood, what their memories were of their mother, their father, what it was like to be at home. And so often when people come in with anxiety or depression or relationship issues, it's not that there was any overt abuse. But there was, I never, mom was always busy or dad was always busy. They were too busy to listen to me or to play with me. So Mm -hmm. anyway, we don't have to go off on this subject because the subject subject. we're, we're looking at right now is really this transition that you're in. And in our conversations uh, before, you used the term of, what was it, transferable skills? Oh, transferable skills to come back out into the world. Tell us what that is and what you think your transferable skills are. Yeah, yeah, that was such a relief to me. I had actually gone for a job interview a few years ago because every, like every few years I'd look at a job and I'd go, oh, maybe I can do this now. Um, and I went for this job interview, and um, I didn't have exactly the skills that they were looking for. But the woman who was interviewing me said, what you have are transferable skills. And it was like a light bulb going off in my head. And what that means is you build up these skills in your life. And I'll, I could tell you what, what I feel mine are. And then you bring them to whatever job you're going to. So even though it may say, okay, you have to do this and this, well, what I can do is come in and in an overarching way, bring what I know to doing this and this. So tell us what some of your skills are that, and how, well, how they're transferable. Right. So I would say at this stage in my life, my biggest skills are communication, facilitation, being a catalyst for things happening for other people, organizing, 
being a systems person. I look outside of the box a lot. That's kind of the way I think. Someone once said to me, you should have been an engineer, but I don't think I ever could have gotten through the math is the problem. But I love systems. I love figuring out what's efficient, what can work well, how how it can evolve into another level of working well. So let's say we're getting practical. You said communication. Like how? Facilitation. Was that a word yeah, that you used? Yeah, I did. What, what did you mean by that? So when I think of facilitation, I think back to my college days where I took a two-year intensive program on something called T-groups, and T-group meant T meant training groups. And for two years, we studied the small group dynamics and studied the theories of small group dynamics. And in a T-group, what you do is you, you're, you participate in a group, and then you're also at the same time looking at the process of how the group dynamic is going. And then after you finish that, you actually become a facilitator of those groups. So you're facilitating when someone says something. It's not therapy in any way, but it's um, you're pointing things out to people. You're enlightening people. You're really stepping into the role of leader of the group yes. at that time yes. and uh, guiding it in hopefully ways that you see having virtue. Virtues so, and benefit. So that, so that the group will be benefited. Yeah, I like what the word you just used, guiding. I really like guiding people. I like guiding things. I like... I like helping people understand what they're doing, but again, not in a therapeutic way, but in a process-oriented way. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question that really could be challenging, but this is what makes this, these conversations fun. What qualifies you in your mind to be in that position? I think that's such a great question. That's that, and that really is a key question, isn't it, for who I am and what I've become. Uh, Ever since my 20s, and I have to admit, I just turned 60 this year. Um, Ever since my 20s, I have part, and, and actually including the two years of study of theories and practice in college. I have done numerous, uh, I I hate to call it self-help because that just sounds cheesy, but self-development processes uh, from understanding the way we talk and nuance in the way we talk. So you've taken classes, you've done workshops, workshops. um, studies. I did my master's in organizational psychology, which so is... So you have a master's degree. I do. Okay. I so do. that helps qualify you. What on a, um, shall we say, non-logical, non-quote educational basis, would you say that you're qualified to lead people in this way? Right. What about you, the essence of Beth? Right. The essence of Beth is perception, authenticity, and intuitiveness. And because of those things... I love those words. 
what was the first perception, one? perception authenticity, and intuitiveness. Yeah. How does someone learn these skills? These are incredible skills to have yeah and to trust in yourself how does one learn I would say someone can take all the courses and degrees that they can possibly find but unless they have that makeup it's not really going to happen on a deeper level for them they what would you say that we have a whole conversation about authenticity intuitiveness in our next podcast. Oh, I love it. I love having you here. Thank you, Beth. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thank you for taking this journey with me today. And until next time, know that you are loved beyond imagining.